I'm just reading for you the first few verses of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honoured as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would help us to understand your word, that we might understand you, that we may live to please you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The apostle was a man of prayer, both in always praying and giving thanks for everybody, which you see at the beginning of nearly each of his letters. He starts off with thanksgiving and prayer. And also, he asks for prayer repeatedly. Uh, you see it in Ephesians 6. We see it here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Pray for us. Prayer is asking for something. Don't make it more complicated than it is. It's just asking for something. That's what prayer is. Um, uh, I've written a book on the subject of prayer, uh, which will argue the issue for you. That's why we pray with thanksgiving, because thanksgiving is not asking for things. Thanks. Giving is thanking God for having given us the things that we previously asked for. You pray with thanksgiving. Prayer is not just talking to God. You can pray to each other. You can pray to the government. You can pray to anyone you're asking something from. I pray that you would give this to me. Morning tea. So <laughs> there's nothing wrong with asking God for anything. It brings him honour and glory, especially when we thank him for the things that he gives to us. But prayer is also a fellowship activity. Finally, brothers, pray for us. We're not heard for our many words, Jesus said. Likewise, we're not heard for the many voices that speak. If I could get enough people praying for this, then God would have to is rubbish. The number of people praying does not make the slightest difference to whether God is or isn't going to give to us. So why do we pray for each other? Why do we fellowship in prayer like this? You see, we're to love one another. We're to share one another's burdens. We're to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. Yes, you were absolutely right a few moments ago to clap when you hear the birth of Elsie. It's, we should rejoice with those who rejoice and we should immediately give thanks because we are to love one another in all of life as we love our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And so we're to pray for each other as we weep with each other and as we rejoice with each other, being concerned for each other's concerns and asking God to help others. Our prayers are not only for ourselves, myself, but for you and you for me and we are to pray for each other. But why pray? Why prayer? What is it about prayer? I mentioned a few moments ago why. Because it brings glory to God. You see, the reason for prayer is God. Because God is all-powerful, the sovereign ruler over all things, when we ask him for anything, we're acknowledging his sovereign rule over all things. Because God is loving and gracious, kind and gentle, when we ask him for anything, we are acknowledging that he cares for our needs. Because by Christ's spirit, God is our father. So that when we ask him for anything, we're acknowledging his fatherliness 
and his forgiveness and our adoption into his family. There's nothing too big to bring to God, for he is the all-powerful sovereign ruler of all who has the hearts of kings in his hands, Proverbs 21.1. There's nothing too small to bring to God, for he is our loving father whose care for us goes right down to the number of hairs on our head being counted. So why pray? Because God is God and we are his creatures. Because God is our father and we are his redeemed children. But there is here a specific reason for prayer. That, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honoured. The little word that introduced to us two things. The purpose for prayer and the content of the prayer. Oh, there is an outline. Good. Turn your heads around. You can see for a moment or two. We're on to 1C. That. Just take it down for a moment while you're reading there. You look that direction. Write a few things down. I'll take a drink. <laughs> you were sitting the right way. I'm standing the wrong right way. The people who built this place did it the wrong way. <laughs> overhead over there. So there are these two things, you see, the purpose and the content of prayer. The purpose of prayer is God's word speeding on and being honoured. The content of the prayer is that God's word speeding on and being honoured. That is, by our praying, God in his mercy may speed his word. So we pray in order that the word of God may speed on. Our prayers will speed on the word of God. And what we ask is that God in his mercy may speed on his word. That is, prayer itself has consequences and has a, therefore a purpose. As James chapter 4 teaches us, you do not have because you do not ask. Asking God for things has consequences. It changes the outcome of the activity. So the very purpose of prayer is to bring about a change in what is happening, that God would, would move in this way. And therefore, the content of the prayer is what we're asking God to move in that direction. Our prayers are what God himself responds to, changing the course of events, because his people have asked him to change the course of events. And so when we pray, knowing that our prayers are more than just ex simply expressions of our emotions or our days or our hopes or aspirations, our prayers are actually changing the course of events. And so the purpose for our prayer and the content of our prayer match each other in this regard. So what it is the Thessalonians were to pray for? Again, two things. I've called one the permanent issue, the other the immediate issue, which is a really handy way of putting the two there on the page, but actually is wrong. Don't worry about it. The permanent issue is right. It's about the mission of God's word. For that which Paul wanted in the first century, we have wanted every century since, and we want it right down to the 21st century until the Lord returns, that the word of the Lord may speed on and be honoured. The word of the Lord is Paul's way of talking about the gospel. Uh, God created the world by his word, 
Scripture is the word of God written. The Lord Jesus Christ was the word of God incarnate. But in Paul's day and our day, the powerful word of God that the scriptures predicted and now portray that the Lord's word about the Lord Jesus Christ is the gospel. And so Paul talks of the word of God as the gospel of the gospel as the word of God. And because it is the gospel, because it is the word of God, it is powerful. It's the power of God for salvation. It's living and active, dynamic, changing hearts and minds. It was bearing fruit and growing all over the world, as he says in Colossians 1. The dynamic in the New Testament is not church growth, but gospel growth. That which grows, that which is seen as the active dynamic element of, of spiritual life in the first century and the 21st century is the gospel. The gospel grows, the gospel spreads, the gospel bears fruits, the gospel is dynamic, the gospel is the power of God. And so he wants the word of the Lord to run, to speed ahead, that is to, to run, to run freely, quickly, spreading with great haste all over the world. We don't want the word to be locked up in one kind of cultural group or in one geographical area or in one nation or in one church. We want God to spread his word and to spread it quickly and to spread it everywhere, wide and fast. Pray that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and we want it honoured. Not laughed at, not scorned, but heard with great joy and acceptance. I, I, I slipped in my repentance the other night and watched a QI. I don't watch QI on the television. I've repented of that, but I had a slippage and I watched the other night. And that show, which is very clever, very witty, very, if you don't know the show, blessed are you, don't turn it on. Very clever, very witty, very funny, but every time, every episode, they always have one element of dirty sexual references and one element against Jesus in the Bible. And sure enough, it happened again. Every time, Jesus, last time we use a mushroom-eating uh, mushroom kind of mystic, and that's where he got his ideas from. Uh, it's an old theory, came from John Allegro in the 1960s, still on our television in 20, 20 what's the year now? 2018, still on our television in this year, 50-odd years later, it was disproved in the 1960s, but it's still being recycled on your ABC, it's not mine, on your ABC. We don't want the word of God laughed at, ridiculed, scorned. We want it heard with great joy and acceptance that the people will hear of Jesus and fall on their knees in repentance and rise to their feet in gratitude and join in our songs of praise. We want the word of the Lord to conquer all the hearts of sinful people for gloriously acknowledged by one and by all. The spread of the word of the Lord, which is honoured as it travels, can be seen in the Thessalonians themselves. For he wants the word of the Lord honoured, as happened among you. Well, how did it happen amongst you? Turn back a page or two to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, picking it up, verse 2. This tells you how it was honoured amongst them. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see in verse 5 how the word came to you. But it came not only in word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction. Just as with Paul, that is how the word of God came. Because they became imitators of Paul and Jesus, for they received the word in two things. You'll see it there in verse 6 to 8. They received the word in affliction and with joy in the Holy Spirit. With affliction, you'd expect sorrow, hurt, pain, but no, they received it with affliction and joy. The spiritual joy of being convinced of the truth of the crucifixion and therefore taking up the cross yourself to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The expectation of Christianity is suffering and persecution, but you accept it with joy because the Holy Spirit has overwhelmed you into his family. And therefore, everybody was talking about you. Macedonia is in northern Greece, unless you're a Macedonian, and then it's outside of Greece. Um, I won't enter into where Macedonia is or isn't, in case we've got some Macedonians amongst us or some Greeks amongst us, and they're still fighting about it. But it's north of Greece. So I put a little of in for those who could hear it. Uh, and Achaia is the southern part of Greece. And so all over Greece, they heard about this. But not only that, everybody's talking about them. Everybody's talking about you because you used to worship idols, but now you've turned to serve the true and living God. And you're waiting for his son from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead and who delivers us from the wrath to come. Their conversion was the talking subject of Greece. We don't need to tell anybody about you because your conversion was so extraordinary. In the middle of persecution, you were rejoicing in your new Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That's the word of God spreading and being honoured. Because that's what he's praying now in 2 Thessalonians 3, that the word of God would spread and be honoured as it was amongst you. That's how it happened. This is what Paul wants then and what we should want now. This is what Paul asked for prayer for and what we should pray for our missionaries. Even the ones we do not know of and the Christians in places we've never met, this is what we can pray for. But there was also an immediate issue, which is not really a good thing because this immediate issue is actually permanent as well, but that accompanies gospel preaching. So I should have called it permanent, but I haven't. That is Paul's feeling about his situation. Pray also, verse 2, I'm back in 2 Thessalonians 3, in case you can't follow me, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 2, that's better, I heard the pages turn. That The day of the telephone's awful, I never hear the pages turn anymore. Uh, verse 2, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. Paul was often pers persecuted, imprisoned, whipped, stoned. 
And he was also particularly attacked by others who worshipped the God of Israel and even some who named the name of Jesus persecuted him. And so as we go into the world to preach the gospel, we remember the words of the apostle that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3.16, if you want to check it out. Indeed, part of honouring the word of God is to receive the word of God with affliction and joy. That is, as people get converted, the world gets changed. And part of the change of the world is the persecution that comes upon the Christians who have just been converted. Nothing will stay the same if people are getting converted. So if the word of God is going and being honoured, you can expect family disruption. You can expect hostilities. But you will also find the joy of the Holy Spirit in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we pray for missions and missionaries, we must remember both the faithless and the faithful. The faithless men who will persecute the faithful God who will establish us in the faith and guard us against the evil one. The Lord is the one Paul has his confidence in. The Lord is the one who will move in, uh, the Thessalonians to do the things that he has commanded them, such as praying. The Lord is the one who will move them to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. See, back in Thessalonians 1 verse 1, he thanks God for their work of faith, their labour of love, their steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why he prays. For it is God's work he is seeking. This is why he gives thanks. For it is God who works in the people. And so we come in our day and age to prayer for mission. And it's hard to think of a better example of what we are engaged in than Paul's little challenge to the Thessalonians, which is why I chose it. The work is the Lord's work. The God who welcomes his children's prayers. The God who is able and willing to do as we ask and even more than we think to ask. We come and ask him to do his work of spreading his word hastily, the gospel word, in such a way that it will be honoured. Not that they will avoid persecution and affliction, it will create it actually. It will disrupt our society but they will receive it with the joy of coming into forgiveness and into the family of God, into waiting for the Son who rescues us from the wrath to come, into getting rid of the stupidity of idolatry and into the joy of knowing God as our Father. Those engaged in preaching it will also be delivered from the hands of the faithless and be protected by the faithful, the Lord himself to whom we address our prayers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the gospel. Thank you for those who brought it to us. Thank you for those who are taking it even now out into the world. And we pray for ourselves, Father, that you would give to us such confidence in you and your word that we will take your word out into this world as well. We pray, Father, that as your word goes, it may speed on and be honoured by people that even in the face and conflict and affliction that it creates, there will be great joy in heaven over each one who repents because they hear your word and your spirit moves in the hearts to bring them to yourself. So bless and protect our brothers and sisters in the lands of this world and in this land as they preach the gospel. Protect them, Father, guard them, 
Keep their hearts in Christ Jesus, please, Father, so that as they preach to others, they may keep their confidence in waiting for Jesus to return for this great rescue from your wrath. We do pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bless the preaching of your word, that as people come to know you, others will hear of these conversions, and still furthermore will the gospel will be preached, so that your word will speed on and be honoured Throughout our land and throughout our world, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.